This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, today on Ringler Radio, we'll be spotlighting Next Step Bionics and Prosthetics, uh, a company on the cutting edge of uh, prosthetics, and, uh, and you'll find out much more about them as we go through the show. We're going to highlight the wonderful work they're doing with amputees and discuss the new advances in prosthetics and bionic technology, uh, which is fascinating. Uh, believe me, uh, I've, been, I've been mesmerized by, by what has been going on. And joining me today as my co-host is Jim Early. Jim is the Executive Vice President and National Sales Director at Ringler and serves as a member of the Board of Directors. He's also the CEO of Ringler Medicare Solutions. That's quite a lot of jobs you have there, Jim. Welcome to Ringler Radio. <laughs> like, a, like my friend Jack, I'm a man of many hats. There you go. Uh, thanks, Larry. Terrific. Well, our special guest today is Matt Albuquerque. Matt is a certified prosthetist and orthotist with over 25 years of experience in the field. And he's also an entrepreneur and inventor. Matt is the founder and president of Next Step Bionics and Prosthetics, which fits amputees with innovative artificial limbs tailored to the needs of each individual. Matt, welcome to Ringler Radio. It's uh, fascinating to have you on the show. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, Matt, tell us about your background and uh, why you created Next Step Bionics and Prosthetics. Give us some uh, insight into all of that. Sure. Uh, My background, just so you know, I uh, went to college as a biology major. Uh, My plan was to go to med school, but after four years of college, I decided that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I still wanted to be in a profession that allowed me to help people on some level. Uh, And strangely enough, I ended up answering an ad in the employment ad of a newspaper uh, for somebody that would come in and help build artificial limbs. And uh, even though I'd had my degree at the time, I asked the company for an opportunity to go in there and learn about providing artificial limbs and The first time that I saw the result of providing somebody with an artificial limb and the happiness and the impact that it made in their lives, I had figured out at that point in time that that was what I wanted my career to be, which was sort of this perfect blend of still being able to help people, but uh, not going to the extent of becoming a medical doctor. So my official title is that I'm uh, considered a certified prosthetist. <laughs> so yeah, very, uh, i got to say it slowly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my uh, background is that uh, I am uh, trained in the fitting the design of artificial limbs. Well, that's uh, terrific, Matt. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how Next Step began? How did you, how did you found that company? So the the company, uh, Larry, just to let you know, I had uh, we just had our 18th year anniversary last month, and before that, I had been working for a national company uh, that I felt was putting the bottom line over the needs of the amputee population. So 
Uh, next step, believe it or not, was my next step in terms of getting out of the corporate environment and kind of creating a new way for people who needed artificial limbs to be able to go out and get them uh, and, and make an, ultimately make a huge impact in their lives. So that was sort of the reason Next Step was started. And like I said, we just had our 18th year anniversary. Hey, Matt, after an amputation, there's the physical impact on the individual, and we know how traumatic that can be, but what about the emotional side of it? Does the prosthetic device give people hope that they might otherwise have? Like Some of your stuff I read, you call it the e-motion, which uh, addresses uh, the technologies and customization for an individual. Yeah, this sort of started, uh, this whole theory started with really what is known as the technology boom in our profession. And with the increase in technology, you know, you see the arm from Dean Kamen called the DECA arm or the Luke arm. Uh, we have these other bionic devices that are coming out. And we wanted everybody to understand that it isn't just the technology alone that allows somebody who's had an amputation to get back into life. It's really finding the correct technology that goes along with what that person wants to do in their life and also what they may want to do but not seem possible. So emotion is a matter of, number one, understanding the individual. Two, looking at all the appropriate componentry that's out in the world for their availability and really kind of handpicking the appropriate components as they relate to the person's lifestyle. For example, somebody... Uh, who just wants to do simple ambulation may not need a bionic or a powered device. And our success, and we think the success of all the amputees that come to see us, is really understanding that whole person before you decide what they need for their prosthesis. And we've coined that term emotion to kind of tie in the emotional aspects and make sure that they're addressed before we make something for somebody. Hmm. No, that makes sense. Matt, walk us through, if you will, the, uh, the process, the prosthetic process at Next Step. Uh, tell us a little bit about your approach and some of the services you offer there. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, a lot of people don't understand uh, what you go through by being fit with an artificial limb, but uh, our approach here, which is a little different, uh, because we literally see people from all over the country and all over the world that come in for a period of time uh, for us to provide services to them, uh, we've really developed what's known as an accelerated fitting process. So uh, normally what would happen, you would go to a prosthetic facility maybe once or twice a week for an hour at a time. We've developed a system where if somebody comes to see us and they can give us two to three days, we dedicate a team here at Next Step just to work on that person during that three days. And we can literally get weeks or months worth of work done in that three uh, day time, basically because all of our offices are set up with full laboratories right on site, so we can do the work while the person is waiting. And it's really one of those things that uh, getting back to quality of life and practicality, it's offered people an opportunity to kind of get uh, a month's worth of work done in three days, which has kind of helped separate us from everybody else. You know, Matt, just for, for our audience, you might want to tell them where exactly are you located? Yeah, thank you. We have uh, three offices. 
Uh, we have one in Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, one in Newton, Mass., and one in Warwick, Rhode Island. So we cover a really good geographical footprint for people that drive to our particular offices, but also have people from other areas of the country and literally other countries in the world that travel uh, to see one of our three offices. One of the common denominators with each one of our three offices is that we're strategically located next to an airport. Uh, obviously, we're next to Manchester here. In Newton, we're next to Logan. And down in uh, Warwick, we're next to TF Green Airport, which allows people easy access once they travel in to see us. Uh, that's, that's, that's amazingly... Uh... What a great idea to put it that way for the people who have mobility issues to begin with. Hey, uh, Matt, talk to a little bit about uh, after you're done and somebody's fitted, are there ongoing consultations or maintenance issues that you deal with? Yeah, very much so. You know, we, we have a saying here that our job doesn't end when you walk out the door. In fact, it's just beginning. And and one of the things that we've really tried to do over the years is embrace recreational opportunities for amputees. We've seen that as one of the things that we've done above and beyond with providing somebody with a prosthesis. It's really providing them with a lifestyle that they may have not thought was possible. And if there's one thing that technology has added to us, it's given us more tools to take somebody who may not think they would be able to run when they had two legs, but convince them they were able to do it after their amputation. And doing things like that with people in terms of not only getting their life that they thought they were going to have back, but a life that included things that they didn't think was possible initially, I think really is an indication that we're doing our job well. And it is really one of those things that we take honor of is when somebody comes back and tells us that they did something that they didn't think was possible. Well, you know, uh, Matt, next step, there's no question. I mean, looking at all you've done, you're on the clearly on the cutting edge of uh, prosthetic design. What are some of the ones you, uh, you want to spotlight for us and, and maybe tell us a little bit about what's coming down the pike? Yeah, sure. Yeah, thank you uh, for that question because there's a lot of exciting things come down to the pike. Uh, and it's mainly been because, uh, unfortunately, because of the war. All of the prosthetic advances throughout history have come after wars and during wars in our current conflicts have been no exception. Um, one of the exciting things uh, that's uh, not available yet uh, is the DECA arm, uh, commonly referred to as the Luke arm, which was designed by Dean Kamen. Uh, which is literally right down the street from us in our New Hampshire office. Uh, that is a um, upper extremity prosthesis that allows a level of function for our men and women service members who've been injured in conflicts. Uh, it gives them a level of function and technology uh, th that has been unmatched previous to that. And it was really uh, as a result of DARPA, uh, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency that put out a grant uh, that Dean ended up was awarded that grant and eight years later has developed what a lot of people have seen as, as the DECA arm, uh, which uh, is one of the most incredible advancements to happen in upper extremity prosthetics uh, in our history. So it's kind of a game changer uh, because of the amount of money that we're now able to spend on research which is bringing guys like Dean Kamen to the table to solve the problem of 
how to create more function for somebody who loses a limb. Uh, so that is in the process of being commercialized, and we really hope that within the next year uh, we'll be able to get that to the men and women veterans and service members who have uh, uh, sacrificed losing a limb protecting our freedoms. Uh, the, the, the second thing uh, that I want to talk about that's available right now uh, is a lower extremity prosthesis called the biome. That's B-I-O-M. And Larry, that's the first literally powered artificial limb. It's got a battery on it. It's got gears and springs, and it literally propels people forward. Uh, the challenge is, is that uh, he has to wear a battery, but uh, not much of a challenge given that all of us carry cell phones around that have a battery. So <laughs> to have a prosthesis that has a battery and they have extra batteries and they're able to charge them uh, hasn't been something people wanted to do, mainly because of the increased function uh, that this prosthesis has given people. And really what it does, it's a powered foot. Uh, so it literally pushes off the ground as, somebody's, as somebody walks on it. And I've actually had uh, many veterans that we have fit uh, that would tell you that without this technology, they would be homebound. And it's really changed the way that uh, we feel that we can not only help our veterans, but uh, the whole population in terms of helping people to stay mobile longer which at the end of the day is going to keep everybody more healthy. That's terrific. And Matt, uh, how important is it for someone uh, as prolific an inventor like Dean Kamen, who uh, for our audience uh, is, the, is the individual who invented the Segway device and many other unbelievable uh, inventions, Correct. how important it is for someone like that to be concentrating some efforts into the prosthetic arena uh, for, for folks like yourself? Yeah, that, that, that's a fantastic question. One of the challenges in prosthetics is the fact that there's not a lot of amputees literally in the world. So from a commercialization process, it's not like you're going to be selling cell phones at the end of the day. So there's not a huge number of people that would end up getting this technology anyways. So without our government stepping in and really affording grants to attract the talent of somebody like Dean Kamen, we would still be fitting some old technology that has been around since the Civil War. And it's really because there was never the money to attract guys like Dean. Now the government has really stepped forward uh, to use that money to attract guys like him. And I'll, and I'll tell you from knowing Dean uh, in the past eight years and having an opportunity to work with him, I would tell you that a lot of people approach him to want to solve the problems of the world. And it was, Dean was really passionate after taking a trip to Walter Reed and meeting some of our wounded men and women service members that he decided that he needed to do something to make up for the lack of technology out there. And my point is he has opportunities to take on many, many projects, but it was because of his passion of wanting to help the military and the people injured in it that was the reason he took on this project, which is something I'd like everybody to know. Well, that's that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, Matt. Hey, sure. uh, shifting gears a little bit from uh, veterans and, and adults, 
In our industry, yep. you know, we work a lot with kids who are injured. And tell us a little bit about Next Step Kids. Well, Next Step Kids is the uh, other uh, uh, big passion of ours uh, at Next Step, as is all people who have may have had an amputation. But uh, kids, uh, we have a special place in our hearts for. Uh, all of our offices have special rooms that are designed with kids in mind. And uh, one of the things that we try to do is uh, gain a relationship. Uh, with kids and try to understand what they want to do and provide a prosthesis for them that allows them to do that. Our famous saying here at Next Step is, kids just want to be kids. So it kind of gets back to that emotional connection that we try to have with everybody to understand all kids are different, but what makes that kid flourish out in the world? What makes him do things he may have not thought was possible. And that's really where we use our expertise to try to design something that not, again, only allows a kid to walk out the door, but to go out on the playground and keep up with everybody else and play Little League and do some of the things that maybe 10 or 15 years ago wasn't even possible because of the technology not being at the point where it should be. So, uh, we, you know, we take great passion and take taking care of uh, not only kids, but uh, their support system as well, their mom and dad and their family, and really get everybody involved uh, in the process because it is about the family at the end of the day. And anything that we can do to help encourage that family involvement and family activities and family recreational activities without somebody feeling like they're limited is really one of the most important things we do as a company. Well, that's terrific, Matt, and uh, it, it's obvious that uh, you care so much about what you're doing. It's uh, unbelievable to hear someone so well, passionate, so so passionate about their work. Well, we're thank going to you. take a quick break right now, and then come back in just a minute with a lot more with Matt Albuquerque and my guest host Jim Early. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler Associate. Check out our new website, at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel, and to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. You can count on Ringler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit ringlerassociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and joined today by my co-host and colleague, Jim Early, and our special guest, Matt Albuquerque, founder and president of Next Step Bionics and Prosthetics. Uh, you know, Matt, on April 15th, 2013, uh, tragedy struck when Two bombs exploded near the finish line at the Boston Marathon. 
uh, injuring and maiming uh, so many innocent people. Tell us about your work with those who were injured during the marathon and, uh, and how you at Next Steps have been helping out. Uh, yeah, certainly a horrific day uh, for us. Uh, we were watching it on TV uh, as it was happening, and uh, our phone literally started ringing an hour after the bombing to uh, get information from us. And uh, one of the things that we decided right off the bat uh, was that we needed to have the information that went out there be about hope. You know, there's a lot of things that were being talked about in terms of the cost and different technologies, but we really wanted to focus on creating that image for people that they were going to be okay. May have been a challenge. There may be certain issues that everybody may need to deal with, but we were really highlighting what's possible, not only through what's available from technology standpoint, but the power of the human spirit, which is something that we wanted to talk about very early on, not only as a message for the general public, but a message for the people that had been hurt. And it was something that was really uh, made an impact uh, for a lot of the marathon survivors that we ended up meeting later on, uh, who told us it was very important that they were hearing that message uh, early on, and it was something that stuck with them. We ended up providing uh, care for six of the Boston Marathon survivors, and that whole process happened when uh, they were going through their rehab, realized that they needed somebody to provide a prosthesis for them, and started interviewing different companies. Um, from that interview process, we ended up uh, seeing all the people uh, that interviewed us, um, which ended up being six of them, and uh, we've been taking care of them ever since um, the bombing. Matt, I think the hope that you gave these folks uh, certainly led to uh, evidence of a lot of resilience and dedication. Two words we hear when you talk about folks like this. Can you tell us maybe is there one or more individuals that you can tell us a real-life situation? Yeah, absolutely, and it, and it would be one of the Boston Marathon survivors, J.P. Norton, uh, he was, uh, him and his brother both were injured in the marathon. JP sustained a below knee amputation and his brother Paul sustained an above knee amputation. So, uh, about uh, a few months ago, uh, we started, uh, JP by designing him a prosthesis for golf. Uh, it had been something that he had been doing before his amputation and was very uh, interested in wanting to get that part of his life back. Even though he thought it was early in the process, even though he was worried about how he was going to be able to swing a golf club. Once we made that prosthesis for him, right after the appointment, he went down to the driving range, started hitting balls. And I guess the best end of this story is that I invited him up to New Hampshire to play golf with me, and uh, he beat me. Uh, handle it, uh, by the way. And, and I'm an eight handicap, and I'm supposed to be a good golfer. Uh, and he came up here and kicked my butt. And uh, I got to tell you, and I even told him, I went either way because I get to say it was because of the leg that he beat me. But I can honestly tell you, in resilience and dedication are two words that we use a lot. I could have made him the best prosthesis in the world, but without resilience and dedication, nobody ends up doing 
doing well. And it's kind of those final ingredients that we talk about when we're telling people about how to get their life back. You know, we can give you all the tools in the world, but at the end of the day, you've got to go out in the world and use those tools yourself to the best of your ability. And J.P. Norton is one of those guys that I think uh, went through horrific situation, uh, realized it is what it is, and has kind of developed the framework in his life that he's just going to do whatever he wants to do and not let his prosthesis get in the way. And uh, it, it, it is a great story of what somebody can do after good care and a good attitude. Well, that's an inspirational story, no question about that, and uh, some of the good works you've done, uh, just amazing, just amazing. And, of course, in order to do those good works, you have to work with some medical professionals as well in, in not only the cycle of care for these amputees, but even in developing some of your, your prosthetics. Uh, tell us about the synergy between the medical profession and your profession. Well, uh, it, has, it has changed dramatically in the last few years, and I think it's because of the awareness of how important somebody's prosthesis is at the end of the day. Uh, probably 10 years ago, Larry, if unfortunately you ended up having an amputation, two or three months down the road, your doctor would give you a prescription for a prosthesis and then you would come see us. We've really changed that model where we've gone to the medical professionals and told them that one of the biggest benefits that they could give their patient who may be undergoing an amputation is to talk to somebody else who's already gone through it. Even though we're not providing a prosthesis at the time when somebody's going through that amputation, it is one of the most emotional, traumatizing times in their life. And we have found that by getting involved much earlier in the process, we can start educating providing resources, but more importantly, have somebody meeting an amputee who's a success in their life in terms of what they do and how they go about it. And we trick people a little bit, to be perfectly honest with you. When we go to meet somebody who may be about to have an amputation, we have amputees that work on staff for us that go to do that consultation. A lot of the times uh, we'll send them and they have long pants on so the person who's being visited has no idea that that person's an amputee until well later on in the discussion where that person reveals I'm also an amputee as well. And it really gives that person a sense of realizing that people who have amputations and have a prosthesis are just as normal as anybody else. And there's no reason to think that you're going to be any different after this. The saying that we use is that the person you are going in is going to be the person you are coming out and this amputation isn't going to change anything. So we really appreciate the medical community in terms of bringing our involvement in pre-operatively instead of after the fact. And I can tell you after owning the business for 18 years, one of the things that I'm thanked the most for is that visit where somebody went in before the amputation to kind of give uh, the, the, the the, what can happen afterwards and sort of get rid of that preoperative anxiety that everybody's going through. You know, uh, Matt, we're in the business of uh, providing structured settlements or periodic payments to uh, injured parties uh, Correct. 
in, in the cases that we handle. And oftentimes, you know, prostheses are part of the uh, the life care planning uh, that we see. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you might see structured settlements or periodic payments uh, fitting in with the ongoing need for maybe adjustments of prostheses, growth of children as they grow older. How, how would that work? Yeah, in fact, uh, Larry, that's a, a, a great question. We actually now have experts in our profession that specifically do life planning for people who need artificial limbs. And one of the things that we work hard uh, to show people is not only the initial benefit of what some of this technology does, but the long-term benefit. So even though there may be a higher cost up front with providing somebody with a sophisticated prosthesis, we are able to show that over the course of time, from a medical standpoint, they're much healthier, they're much emotionally engaged in what they do, and ultimately being more productive members of society because of that initial technology that they were provided with. Uh, Without structured settlements and things like that, sometimes it's hard for people to get exactly what they need without taking that long-term approach of the effect that it's going to have on them over the course of the rest of their life. Terrific. Matt, uh, a little bit earlier, you, you talked about the locations you have in Newton, Manchester, and, and Warwick, Rhode Island. Can you tell us a little bit more about what, what's, what happens there? Yeah. Um, our three offices are very consistent in terms of how we deliver care. You know, it's a model that we have developed uh, over the years. Uh, most of our employees are the same people that we've had over a number of years. We really have a low turnover here. So there's some consistencies between our three offices. One, there's a full-service lab at each one of the facilities, which in some way is duplicating services that we offer, but it's very important that we offer that service at each specific location. The other thing is that we have amputees that work for us that are caregivers that sort of understand that process from an amputee standpoint. Uh, All our offices are uh, fully staffed. Uh, There's no satellites. We're often, we're open full-time five days a week. We're available uh, on the weekends for any type of emergencies our patients may be having. Uh, And ultimately, those three offices uh, are very similar because we have employees that float between the three offices to maintain that consistency because it's very important that we follow that model of success that we've developed over the years. Well, you know, Matt, it's been a terrific discussion. And uh, in closing, let me ask you this. Sure. For someone in our audience who has either undergone an amputation or knows somebody who has or will, uh, what advice do you have for them as they you know, stare down the options of uh, their prosthesis and their future life. What advice Thank you. you it's a great question there. It's something that uh, we talk about a lot. Uh, when you lose a leg, uh, your prosthetist, again, that's who I am, and that person that designs your artificial limb is probably going to be one of the more important people in your life. 
And many amputees uh, tell us that because it's not we just provide a prosthesis and you go on your way. There's constant maintenance. Uh, there's refittings due to the fact that your body changes. There's normal wear and tear. So we've become, of all the medical professionals out there, probably one of the most consistent relationships that a person would have. For you to go under this traumatic experience and have something that has a lifelong effect on how you're able to do as an amputee, we think the most important thing that somebody can do is go out and interview different facilities. In our area, you're able to do that while you're in the hospital. But if you live somewhere that doesn't give you that opportunity, it's very important that you go and meet the people that are going to be taken care of of you. Not only to meet the person, but to look at the facility uh, and get a feel for the whole thing. A lot of people make the mistake, well, I'm just going to go to the guy that's closest to my house. Well, the guy that's closest to your house may not be the perfect perfect person for you to interact with, feel that your needs are being listened to. And if that's not the case, it's very important that you find somebody that does. Even if that means driving a little longer way, this is about your mobility, it's about your life, it's about being productive, it's about self-esteem, and it's too important just to leave it in the hands of anybody. Go out there, interview, ask questions, go back, ask more questions, but don't make a decision until you're perfectly comfortable with who the person is, who the facility is, and what that overall plan is for you to get your life back. Well, Matt, that's uh, terrific advice. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how informative and optimistic uh, you've sounded today uh, about those folks who have uh, suffered the kind of amputations that uh, we see so often today. Uh, I want to thank you for that. And if someone wanted to get a hold of you or talk to you or find some more information, how would they do that? Uh, www.nextstepb, as in boy, and p, as in paul.com. Terrific. That's a good, that's a good uh, uh, website for them. How about a phone number if they wanted to talk to you? Sure. Uh, 603-603. Six six eight three eight three one. Again, I'm the president of the company. Uh, you can call me anytime with anything that you'd like to know about us or what our services are or how we could go about helping you. Terrific. And uh, Jim, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Uh, like everybody in the company, available through the website at www.wranglerassociates.com or my direct number here in Manchester is 603 603- Seven one nine one zero one zero. Terrific. And uh, all of you out there, you can reach any Ringler Associate all around the country by going to ringlerassociates.com. You can uh, identify the, uh, the area you're in, and you can find a broker that will help you with your structured settlements. And, uh, of course, if you want to listen to Ringler Radio, you can listen on uh, ringlerradio.com, ringlerassociates.com, legaltalknetwork.com, or even go to iTunes and download it right there from iTunes and right onto your device. And today there's so many great devices to listen, and uh, you can do it at your leisure. And uh, for all of that, uh, Matt, I want to thank you again for uh, being such a great guest today. Thanks again for being with us. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And, Jim, thanks for being a great co-host. As a pleasure as always, Larry. Thanks. And uh, to all of the rest of you out there, go have a great day. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.
Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. With over a million listeners, Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today. We'll be right back. 